Hey, good morning, everybody, or whatever time it is that you decided to listen in. Welcome to the X2 Drop podcast, where the Dual Factory and I discuss anything and everything Yu-Gi-Oh! related. So, for anyone new or returning uh, podcast listeners that want to find the episodes from seasons one through four, it's about 90 episodes total. They're available uh, as a playlist on youtube.com slash bingo HD. And if you want to suggest a podcast topic for us to discuss, the best place to do that is by posting it in the podcast suggestions channel on the Discord or leaving a comment on the YouTube video. But without further delay, this week's episode is going to be all about playing on your opponent's turn. It's a point of contention lately in the community and how the current game is going and has developed. Uh, we're going to talk about the the bestials and tier limits and kind of take a look back at quick effects via hand traps and monster effects and and just kind of see how the game's evolved and give our insight or feedback on do we think this is, uh, do we like it, do we not like it, and, and what's going on. So, Joe, this was your topic suggestion, so I want to open the floor up to you for uh, the opening comments. Like, what made you want to talk about this? The real reason I wanted to talk about it was for the regional that I'm preparing to go to this weekend um, at the time of this recording. Because, like, I was talking to Doug, or better known as Sauce's French, and the more and more, like, I was talking to him about, like, deck building and, like, how to, like, prepare for the event. Like, almost all of my, like, um, suggestions and stuff like that all revolved around almost every deck being able to play the Bistial engine and how, like... You have to be prepared for like opposing bestials as well as your own bestials and stuff like that, and how it's really warped like deck building that you have to play around those cards for every matchup. Yeah, and uh, I mean this is this is something even as a, a relatively new returning player, like the strength behind the bestials is is crazy, and obviously the card design, like technically speaking, the bestials are kind of like meta dependent. There's going to be a point where they're not so good, just like every other hand trap, but they are crazy and you'll see like these bestial wars going on uh in certain matches where it's just who who can stick the effect even if you don't want to banish your own target right you bestial away their target so that they burn their bestial effect for the turn right and uh so why why do you feel like the bestial engine's so strong because it's not just like if you look at their their banish effect right they're just a a more specific dd crow Right, but what makes the yeah, Bestial so, so special uh, as far as the game development? Right, so like what makes them like so good right now is like if you if you like boil it down to like why they're good, it's because the best deck in the room is a dark attribute deck, which the Bestial monsters they need to banish either a light or dark monster to special summon themselves. So right there, like right off the bat, like they're meta defining just because they're phenomenal against the best deck, which is Tier Limit, but. What makes them more unique is because we already have cards such as like DD Crow or um, Ghost Bell or Skullmeister that basically like interrupt Graveyard. But the big thing about these are like they're more than just hand traps, like they're actual engine pieces. Like Magnum replaces itself, um, Druid Worm removes a card, and then there's Serenir, which technically is the worst of the three, but if you play it in a strategy like Branded, you get more utility off of it because it sends branded speller traps or it sends actual bestial cards to the graveyard like Lubellion if your deck can play Lubellion. So, like, they're not only forms of interruption, but they're also engine pieces, like, that go together. And because 
the light and dark attributes are like the most commonly played cards in most Yu-Gi-Oh formats. That's what makes them a such an insane engine because they're splashable in multiple decks too. Like the only deck right now in our current format, I think that can't play them is literally the Fluunderese cards. And like, if you tried hard enough, you probably could not saying that it's a good suggestion to do whatsoever, but you probably could. And they're also like, it's not, they're also like not a terrible level either. Like they're also level six, which is a very popular level to use in strategies because most tuners like i'm sure something will pop up later in the format but like the most popular level for like tuner monsters is like two and four so you can make like level eight synchros easy you can make level 10 synchros easy like they really broke the mold when they made these cards yeah so the there's a there's a lot of things that make the best bestial stand out uh as uh going second pieces as well as just powerful cards uh, so if we kind of isolate their ability as going second, you kind of touched on it a little bit, and it's how they're they're not only do they disrupt plays, but they also continue to build advantage in some way, right? When Magnamute, you get that plus that plus one to search the uh, Druid Swarm, which if you let's let's say you go uninterrupted, right? You just shut down their plays. Uh, they have a mediocre board. You not only got that second interruption with Druid Swarm at the end of uh, end of the turn where you can banish another resource and summon it, but you could also clear a card off of their field all of from one card, right? So it's a hand trap disruption that also gives you board presence as well as uh, card advantage uh, as far as not losing a card like you would with DD Crow, Ghost Bell, uh, all the traditional hand traps that we're used to, which is so powerful. And then you have what you were talking about where they're a good level, not only for things like synchro plays, but the the level six or the rank six pool has always been a relatively difficult level to facilitate index, but having access to, to powerful rank sixes is something that a lot of decks can appreciate. Uh, it's just, I, I personally feel it's just going to be a matter of time before uh, a deck just breaks uh, Beatrice, just like they do with every other foolish burial card, uh, bro. And we the, have. Be, <laughs> go ahead. Having access to essentially a rank six like Lavalle Chain and Beatrice is actually crazy, and I'm surprised we still have that card legal. Yeah, especially now with the Bestial cards. That and, being said, the year 2023 coming up, unchain the chain. But that's that's a different story. Yeah, uh, and it, it's. It's just an interesting shift in the in the way the game's going. Now, whether or not these cards should be hit or if they were the right thing or you know, maybe a misstep by Konami, I, I can't say for certain, but right now I feel like if we didn't have them, the game would be much worse off just because of the current best deck in the room, right? Probably. Because like if you think about it, like I think you definitely hit on the head. I think they're necessary right now. Because, like, if you don't have them, then we're really at the mercy of Ashizu tier decks because, like, they're the only deck that consistently sends Grave Shufflers and Medora and Keldo. So, like, it, it can get out of hand very fast. But, like, they get, as much as, like, some people don't like them, they also, like, they give other rogue strategies a chance in this quote-unquote tier zero format. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It gives you a tool to fight back where... You're not just straight uh, losing card advantage and uh, resources against the best deck in the room. And 
this is coming from a Sky Striker player, right? Where the worst thing that you can do is banish the one dark monster of my three in the graveyard, right? And like I'm playing them, I would pretty much try to play them in every deck because they're so strong. And no raid, no party. It's it's good right now, right? That's the thing I, I want to stress, right? If we didn't have the Bistials, I feel like we would be in a bad position. But going forward, right, when Tier's not the best deck or maybe the power level of decks is more evenly dispersed like we've seen in past formats, I, I don't know... I, I don't know if this is the right way for the game to go. Uh, it just seems... Like, we're getting more and more crazy. I know a couple years ago, we were joking around about it. It's like in 2025, like, you're just going to call, like, point at your deck and say, activate effect, right? Like, that's power creep. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, We're just activating effects from the deck? Yeah, like, uh, if you're going first, you can only draw two cards. Like, the game's just going to get... Isn't there technically... Isn't there technically... Yeah, there is. So, now that I think about it, if you... uh, if you have dark that usually you'll love this. Yeah. If you have dark magician dark on the field and you successfully stuff. resolve time wizard, you can summon dark sage right out of the deck. Yeah, there, there's a couple <laughs> of cards that can summon themselves out of the deck, right? For anybody that doesn't know, random history lesson: you have uh, dark red eyes, dark metal uh, or black red metal dragon. Me- uh, yeah, it's metal zoa, metal dragon, and then yeah, metal, metal zoa, zoa and uh, dark sage, right? So. Uh, yep. With that out of the way, and all, all jokes aside, right? Let's let's look at like hand traps uh, as a whole, because really that's what the Bissiels are. They're turn zero interruptions, and that's one of the things that's unique about Yu-Gi-Oh is they need to exist, right? Uh, other card games, they they pretty much don't have these because of the the resource system in play, right? Magic the Gathering, you have your your mana system. You need to you need to ramp. Uh, Pokemon, you have your energy system, and there's basically no interaction back and forth. Yu Gi Oh is all gas, no breaks, right? And we have to have turn zero interruptions. We can't just be like Magic and the only turn zero interruptions like Force of Will from uh, a couple years ago. If we don't have them, we the game's unplayable. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Yu-Gi-Oh uh, is at a point where, like, the game's so fast, like, you have to be... It's one of the few card games, like, you need to be able to interact back and forth between the two games. Otherwise, like, your opponent... It's basically, like, you just get to watch your opponent play solitaire. Yeah, because w- without turn zero interruptions, the play would be, I'm going to try to find the most consistent combo strategy, because if I win the dice roll, that means I win the game. Right, because I'll win, I'll, I'll win game one because my board's unbreakable. I I may or may not win game two because it's post side, but I'm going third or game three no matter what. I'm going first, right? So you have to have turn zero interruptions. Um, but let let's dial it back a little bit and look at the evolution of those. So looking back at way way back when Didi Crow first came out, it it spent years of basically not seeing very much play, right? And why? It's the first of its kind. Yeah, but why? Why did it take so long for that card to see play? It's not like we weren't summoning stuff from the graveyard, right? We've been doing that for God knows how long. It's one of those things that, like, if you look back, what is it? If memory serves it right, that card came out of Invasion of Chaos. But like, Yu-Gi-Oh is not the same that it was way, way back then. Where like interrupt, like 
games were much, much slower paced. There was a lot more back and forth. And then, like, for that that specific card, right? Like, that was the first form of, like, turn zero graveyard manipulation, right? Whereas back in that format and stuff like that, if you want to go back, like, the only real forms of, like, graveyard, like, revival were cards like Reborn, um, Premature Burial, which I think was gone by that time. And then you had, like, Call by the Haunted and stuff like that. But it's a much slower-paced game. So being able to use hand traps effectively, were pro- it wasn't, like, relevant because you were still playing trap cards yeah. as, like, the premier form of interrupting. Yeah. This is what I should basically try to get at. at. At the end of the day, right, DD Crow's a minus one in card advantage. And when you on your turn, right? You do have to play around things. You have to play around things like Torrential Tribute. You have to play around uh, powerful trap cards. But for the most part, your opponent wasn't building a board, right? So you had your cards to deal with their cards. And losing one to, to inconvenience your opponent, right? That's fine, right? They'll take you losing a card for them doing that like yes you can have impactful things where maybe you banish the only light monster in their grave and they can't summon a chaos monster uh if we're talking like light sworn format uh banish their luminous target like yeah there's all sorts of things you can do but it's just not impactful enough to justify me losing a card for that and then we got cards like effect failure uh, a couple years down the road and i mean Valor was good, but I don't think it saw like as much play as we think it would have now, right? I, Valor I, didn't. Valor was kind of wild because like you didn't start seeing like the popularity of that card until like Yu-Gi-Oh started becoming more modern. Where you let's see, so that card came out of Duelist Revolution that had Stardust Dragon and everything like that. That card didn't, like, become, like, popular, popular, along with, like, Maxi until, like, 2000... I want to say 2012. Um, I'm trying to remember this. When you started seeing decks, like, Insector and Windup become more popular, and those were, like, the beginning of modern-day, like, combo decks, right? Yeah. And but, that... like... It still took a while from its initial release for it to be effective. Yeah, and it... it... Uh, if you go back and look at Yugo's history, of like eventually the game turns into needing to stop your opponent, or else you can't do what you want to do on your opponent uh, on your turn, right? And once that becomes a factor, right, we see the the hand traps come back into play, and then like we there's a couple oddball hand traps here and there, right? But we're gonna focus on the the big ones because after right. after I Valor. Think- uh, like we we start the evolution of the ghost sister line and then the the psi frames mm-hmm. and they all have a specific purpose that are more i don't, I don't want to say they're better and better right but the first one we had was ogre right not an effect negator right. it just got rid well, of the threat well i'm thinking about it too another thing that actually made like turn zero interruptions more popular and i remember this because this happened like when i started playing Yu-Gi-Oh back in 2011 was the removal of priorities for those of you who don't know what that is, real quick, we'll give you another quick history lesson to move on. 
But basically, Yu-Gi-Oh used to have a you. We used to have priority. Like if you would normal summon a card, and it had an effect that you could call priority and immediately activate the effects chain like one before your opponent did anything, right? Yeah. So, so an ign- ignition effect or a spell speed one monster effect that wasn't uh-huh. on summon. Yeah. So basically, with the removal of that, hand traps became a lot more popular. So, like, quick example, like you could summon a rescue rabbit, and then you could call priority to activate the effect, which banished itself for cost. So, like, if you had Valor, like you couldn't do anything with it. So, like, when you removed that, that's when like hand traps became more popular. Yeah, once uh, once they could have a little bit more impact. But let's uh, let's step away from Valor because Valor still sees play to this day because it's good at what it does, right? Um, but let's look at the the go- evolution of the Ghost Sisters specifically, right? So we got Ogre, which is modern standards. It, it doesn't really come into play very often. There was a time where when specific cards need to summon to like a zone a Link Monster points to or a zone this card points to, uh, it has come up every once in a while but for the most part at this day and age no one really considers ghost ogre no not real so there are some like niche situations where it comes up i also remember this this is showing my age but i remember when we thought ghost ogre was the god card against cliffort because they pay 800 you hit that scout and then their turn ins shout out to jordan lee yeah and there, I mean, there was a point in time where Ghost Ogre was like a mandatory like play in every deck. Like the the supers were like twenty five bucks, right? I remember when it was I remember it was good against Electromite because they would activate it and you would ogre it. Woo! Creamy. Yeah, and then we got uh, I believe Ghost Reaper right after that. Yeah, so it went. If you want an actual timeline for all of them, it was. Ghost Ogre, Ghost Reaper, Ash Blossom, uh, Bell, uh, uh, Spooky Dogwood, Mourner. Yeah. Pretty sure. Uh, Yeah, the last two, I can't remember the order, but... then So, Ghost Reaper, it did have its time to shine over the years, right? Uh, I know ABC format, or like... It was like mid-2016, like it it saw a decent amount of play, then kind of fell off, but it comes back. So when Reaper comes back, right, it's always in a format where the it's it's usually a combo deck that has a a crucial extra deck monster in order to facilitate its plays, right? So again, it's just another turn zero option in the toolbox of the, the player going second. And I think over the years, we can see Konami just doing that. They're providing a toolbox for players going second based off of the format, right? Because tell me, tell me right now that you would play ghost ogre in this format. Absolutely not. No, it's terrible. Right. But I, I could see a world where the best deck has a, has like a really impactful field spell. That's like, a once per turn but it activates uh it's a trigger or ignition effect and if you hit that right because what other hand traps could hit that i mean i don't know what it does right but it might be like it might be the best for for the for that situation and reaper might be the the only thing stopping a specific combo because maybe maybe the deck 
plays around Nibiru within five summons, right? Maybe it has a built-in way to combo off without that. But if you have Ghost Reaper, you can hit the crucial piece that's going to make their board unbreakable. Reaper is such an interesting hand trap. So, like, going more on, like, what you're talking about, right? So, like, the first time, like, when, like, when we first got Reaper or something like that, or, like, the format that, like, we saw, like, the most play out of it, um, or not most play, but, like, the first time we saw, like, a huge popularity in it was when we were playing, uh, it, it, like you were saying, it was 2016 format where you had decks like uh, one of my personal favorite, BAPK, um, when we still had, like, three Beatrice at the time. And people were side decking Reaper and stuff like that. And then, like, that one card, if depending on what part of that format you're playing, effectively neutralized six extra deck slots against your opponent. Because if you took away Dante, then you also take away their Beatrices, right? Yeah. And that sounds Dante. crazy. There you go. Purple Dante. There you go. But that sounds crazy, right? Yep. But then here's the thing. Us as degenerate Yu-Gi-Oh players or degenerate North American TCG players, instead of us like panicking, being unable to play because that monster is out of our extra deck, all we did to learn how to confront it was learn how to play the deck without those cards. So like you started seeing multiple copies of like in this deck specifically, like you started seeing multiple copies of Breaksword, you used to see cards like Utopia Future and like things like that. So then the card became less and less effective. Yeah. And then you don't see play of it. Then another great example is whenever we got uh, Spiral Double Helix, where that entire deck literally lived and revolved around that card resolving. So there's actually, if you ever want to see like how powerful a singular card can be, there's a feature match. And I think it's either with, I think it's with Jesse Cotton, Ryan Levine, not to think about it. But they, neither one of those players committed a card to the field for like seven turns for fear of their double helix getting hit by Ghost Reaper. And you just see how powerful that card can be. But then, like, I can't remember the last time Ghost Reaper was, like, effective in a format. Because I saw some people were playing it like this format that we're in now. I saw some people playing it initially, but then we just learned how to play without Picalos because that's what people were hitting. And then I haven't seen it cited since. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's uh, but it, it's always, it's always there, right? It's always an option. It's just a lot of the time. Konami knows how they're designing cards. They know what their weaknesses are. They they know all of these things. Now, sometimes they make a misstep and they make a broken interaction. They, they, they didn't intend to. But, uh, like for. Let's look at uh, Thunder Dragon Sky Striker, right? Like, I would have loved for you to not have any Colossus in your extra deck, but if I remember correctly, you have a way to recycle them with Thunder Dragon Fusion. Thunder Dragon Fusion was cracked. Yep. So, Ghost Reaper was a bad option. So, I needed to play my other turn zero interruptions in order to play around that, being infinite impermanence, right? Because that just came out. So, I could hopefully negate the the colossus and then i have widow anchor i have engine pieces to try to resolve the board it's bad matchup but certain hand traps like effect valor wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do it for me uh but that's what they're doing they're building up this uh toolbox for 
going second. Now, unfortunately, the Maxi uh, is is not available to us. Uh, I, don't, I still am on the fence of whether that's fortunate or unfortunate. But again, that's Give it back a, to us. Give me three. Yeah, that's a, another extremely powerful going second tool. But everybody would play it because it would warp the format. So, but the Bistu, sure. right? Jump and pass, Ghost Reaper, Ash Blossom. Ash Blossom is just a good generic hit every deck almost in some way, shape, or form. Yes, you you lose one in card advantage, but you you stop something, right? Whether that, that was double that helix, yeah. Whether that was double helix, whether that was branded fusion recently, right? All of there's always something you can ash blossom, and it's just a good tool to stop them from just absolutely setting up an unbreakable board most of the time, right? And then you have formats oh, that. You have formats that dissolve, right? They dissolve into just complete degeneracy because of who we are as players. And then you see cards like Droll and Lockbird come out, right? Where they they just need the turn to be uh, toned down to a screeching halt. And without these, without this evolution, I don't think the going second player could keep up in a world without Maxi. But no, that's crazy. Hand like it, it now, especially if you just you have to be able to play, and like it's not ideal because like I broke for as many people that you can hear like how great hand traps are. There's a whole other side of the card game that absolutely hates it, but there's also the people who love fl- flipping purple cards, which I get. Trust me, hundred percent understand. But like we're just to a point where the game's like it's so fast paced that you have to have these interactions. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to imagine going up against a deck where, yeah, sometimes you don't draw hand traps, but the option's always there, right? Variance is in deck building. I don't want to live in a world where I don't have a chance to interact with my opponent going going second right now or for the foreseeable future unless the game completely changes. And where the bestials are going... So jumping back to like the current discussion of the Bissels, I'm still like board presence. Uh, and then you have a, was it Havness, which is an in-engine piece, quick effect, like starter. Tear limit, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if I like that design philosophy where you're gaining advantage through interruption. I, I, that I'm torn about. I think it's one of those things that, like, Havnus, like, I don't think it was, like, a bad card design. Because, like, it's an, it, like you were saying, it's an in-engine piece that's also seconds as a hand trap. I think where it doesn't, I think where it definitely hit off the mark is the fact that the summoning itself and sending the top three of your deck to the graveyard is incredibly powerful for generic support cards. So, like, for example... You can have this hit any tier element. You immediately have a fusion summon of Kikalos, and your engine is online immediately, right? Yeah. There's one interaction. There is... You can have this. You can hit, say, for example, any... For, any uh, like, Kelbeck or Gito that sends immediately top five of your deck to the graveyard, and again, immediate in access to engine if you hit another tailorment name, right? So then... You can start splashing with other stuff. Like I remember, like early builds of like tier limit. 
could play like a Shadal card because on the off chance that you hit a Shadal and tier limit, now you have access to extra deck floodgates like Wenda, which is really powerful. And then like the possibility keeps going on and on and on and on and on because you can hit so many generic cards that also have dual effects in the graveyard that are out of engine that make that deck insane. And then I remember what is it before before even that because you could do cool stuff like that like you could play like tuners we didn't have access to for the longest time and then like then your deck just spirals out of control and stuff like that. But like it's the fact that it could. You can splash so much generic stuff with it is where it really got out of hand. Because now, like... Yeah, and that's... You can watch people turn... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, and, and what worries me about... Like, I don't mind this current meta, right? I don't mind Tier having its time to shine. I don't know if I want the design philosophy of Havness, like a built-in interruption engine piece that... Uh, generates advantage going second like that i don't know if i like that direction that the game's going uh but we we are extremely close to 30 minutes so uh, i'll let you close out your opening thoughts we got a couple like two three minutes left um because i feel like we could go on about this for probably another like 30 minutes oh no we, we could go on for days on this one it's just it was just so crazy to me that like a single like a single engine like Visual could warp a format so like rapidly in such a short amount of time is just wild to me. Especially like for like for it's it's just crazy because like this weekend I'm playing a whole entire strategy that's essentially just a Bisteel control deck with like something to help push for a game at the end of it. Like it's just crazy to me that that's what deck buildings becomes to this format now. Yeah. Um. So the, this topic was really fun to talk about. I uh, would like to readdress it, uh, maybe a little bit more focused on how it impacts the meta game because we, we just focus on the hand traps themselves, the evolution. Uh, maybe we'll come back and readdress and how these types of interactions warp the, the best decks of the format um, and how it shapes what's viable. But with that being said, Joe, do you have anything left to say? Uh, I just want you all to know that it's been several decades and sauceless French still has no sauce. Tigolo, you have no sauce. Oh, hey. Well, as always, guys, it's been a pleasure. If you found some enjoyment listening to the chaos that is this podcast, let us know by, by sharing the link. It really does help us grow. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a like or comment or on whatever platform. Right, you can find us in the Discord. The link's always in the description. Uh, you can check Joe out on youtube.com slash the dual factory. He's going to a regional this weekend. He'll probably post up the deck profile as well as like how he does. Or myself on youtube.com slash bingo HD. Feel free to follow any social media that's in the description. And I will hopefully have your attention once again for next week's episode. Have a wonderful day. Okay, bye.